1995, I found myself in Toronto, and many of you will know what was going on in Toronto around that time. And um, it was, it, it was just, uh, it was, it was incredible actually. It was strange at first, but it was incredible. And I, I found myself on the floor for an entire meeting. And because it, it happened very quick, you know, early in the meeting, and there were long meetings there. But I was, and I was receiving, because I determined I wanted to receive everything you have for me, Lord. And when I got up at the end of the meeting, I saw a strange sight, because a little way away, there was a lady lying on her back with her eyes closed, and she had a relatively newborn, exactly what Becky's just said, lying across her like this. And um, I looked at her and I thought, wow, you know, that's a strange sight. You know, probably the baby was asleep, but the mum was receiving from the Lord. And um, I said, Lord, you know, because I've been saying to him, what am I learning here, all of that. And this is what I felt him say. Where the parent goes, the child will follow. Where the parent goes, the child will follow. And it was back in the days where there was a lot of religion in the Welsh churches, and I was pastoring in Wales at the time, and um, I felt him further say to me, um, the, 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 the ministers in the churches, not all, of course, not all, in Wales are hiding behind something that I've not given them, a pride, really, that I've not given them, and, and, and it needs to change. It needs to change, and I tied the two together and realized the power in that, that, that when we come to the Lord and we surrender ourselves to him and we, we give him things as Becky's just shared, then it, it really changes our lives. And then what we are gets passed on. Where the parent goes, the child will follow. And we have a big responsibility, don't we? I think most of us in here are would be parents or, or um, grandparents even. Any great-grandparents? I think it probably is, is it? Is it? Any great-grandparents here? Yeah, of course. Praise God for that. Yeah. So, hallelujah. I, uh, I want to make a, an announcement myself, actually, this morning. And uh, it's just to do with future things. Just to say, by the way, on uh, Thursday Stronger, do try and come along and uh, unite your hearts with some who will be there from uh, Kingdom Life Church. And we have 10 guys with us this week uh, from Texas, from Waco in Texas. And um, they'll be ministering throughout the week. You know, it's, it's something that was planned long before we came here. In fact, some of the, the female side of it will be here with you on Thursday night. And uh, there's a lesser group of guys, but they'll be with us on Thursday night too. And we're offering hot dogs. How about that? Them big ones as well, I think, you know. Meal in themselves. <laughs> you don't need chips. So 7 o'clock on Thursday, and it's been announced, and you can get the details uh, that's the QR code or whatever. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. But just see you there. Okay, great. So we're also excited to announce that we'll be beginning a bi-weekly Sunday evening service at 5 p.m. This mean, That could be changeable as well. But this means that the Monday evening, evening will continue to be more of a flexible prayer and teaching meeting as God leads us, but mainly prayer meeting. And um, we're going to try it for three months and see how it goes. I need to say at this point, don't be under pressure. I fully understand. You know, a lot of us here remember the days where you always had Sunday morning, Sunday evening, don't we? But it stopped, and people have got used to a new lifestyle. There is no pressure to be here. If you want to be here, Hallelujah to that. But there won't be pressure. You know, we're not, we're not saying, we're not adding a burden to lives. But we are going to see what happens and see how we can reach out and win the lost. And we've talked about this at leadership level. And um, we're going to try it for three months. If it doesn't work, we'll abandon it. If it does work, we might 
ticket to every week. We'll see how it goes. You know, it's as the Lord leads on these things. Obviously, we're still at the experiment stage of getting to what God wants us to do so we'll be as effective as we can be. Amen? And, and uh, it, gives us the, it gives us continuity in the sense that um, Deb and I can be here. As Deb's preaching in Kingdom Life Church this morning, and obviously I'm preaching here, so you got the raw deal this morning. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, we work together. You know that by now. We work together. And, uh, but we can't here, because of our responsibilities at Kingdom Life Centre, you know, we can't be here together on a Sunday morning. And, and uh, so we feel it's a way that we can work together for one thing. It, it, as I say, it means that Monday night can continue and we can focus on prayer, teaching to sometimes, but prayer as well, mainly prayer. It, it means that those who are disappointed at the 4 p.m. has stopped at Kingdom Life Church, and it didn't stop for this reason, that will be able to come to Acorn if they want to. There's one or two who work, whose work doesn't allow them to come on a Sunday morning. It might be true here as well. Um, so it caters for those who can't get to church. We don't want you to abandon Sunday morning. You know, we're not trying to uh, detract from anything. We're adding. And, um, you know, if we had to start from scratch and try and build up, not a problem. We've done that in our lives. So, so it's another experiment which we can and will change if it doesn't work or the season ends. And uh, we've said three months to see, six months, we'll, we'll check. You know, it'll all be monitored and see how we're going. And it also creates space for people if... We haven't got much room in here for many more, have we? There's a few seats, but, you know, if, if a, a good few people got saved, it'd be very difficult to, um, to cater for everybody, which is pretty obvious. But... Um, it, it, so it caters for that, that people could come in an evening. Um, and, you know, and as I say, more than welcome. Some of you I know would want to be there at both meetings. So more than welcome to that. So this will begin on the 14th of April. And then it will next be on the 28th of April. So, you know, you'll be advised of this uh, later on. We are away on holiday before that. Um, so as we come back, we'll begin to get into things in earnest. Everything we want to do will be done in a partnership of the advancement of the kingdom of God alongside the welfare of the believers here at Acorn Church. That's the, the dual thing we want to achieve. But you can't have the welfare and you're not seeking to advance and reach people. You know that, don't you? And you can't have that at the expense of neglect of the people. So we're trying to balance it out and work it forward. And truly, two churches with one heart to advance the kingdom of God together. And we'll do that. It's exciting times. I'm, I'm reading, I'm going to go straight into the word here, but I'm reading uh, um, R.T. Kendall. Who knows of R.T. Kendall? Anybody? Some of you do, yeah. Great man, great preacher, and he's brought two new books out. And when I saw the title, one was Prophetic Integrity, and one was uh, From Ishmael to Isaac. And um, he's basically saying what's coming after the charismatic move, not abandoning the charismatic move of God, but it's not the end of what God wants to do. And he believes, he's, he's 86 now, and um, he believes that the greatest move is yet to come. And I want to I be, amen to that, and I'll, I want us to be a part of that. I want to be acutely aware of what needs to be done so that we can be in the, the center of that, a part of it, recognized in it. And it's very timely for me. I, I'm, I'm devouring these books because... It's where I'm at personally and what I've wanted to uh, see and experience as a Pentecostal Christian, a charismatic Christian, but still seeking God for more. 
and I hope uh, you guys are too. So, with that in mind, I'm, I'm preaching this this morning. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The whole world. It's startling, isn't it? That, that verse is startling. But our world is not going to heal itself. If you're waiting for something political or geopolitical or, 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 or something to happen that will make this world better, I've got bad news for you. It's not going to happen. It's not scriptural. It doesn't mean we can't advance. And, you know, I'll come to that. And we can't be in a safe place, etc. So how can it heal itself while its controller is Satan himself? The old world, the old world is under the control of the evil one. The problem we have is that we don't really believe or understand it to be as it is. We, the church, we, we, don't, we have a little understanding of, of the reality of what's going on and that it is in the hands of the evil one. doesn't mean there are not good things outside of Christianity and, you know, there's lovely places in our world to be... It's not saying that. We're talking about a world system. And this world system is not going to improve our world. It promises to, but it's not. <laughs> Though it may purport to do so. Therefore, we must offer an alternative, and that's the key. It's the key why I speak a lot of, about kingdom. It, it's the key why I'm, why, that I'm convinced. wasn't always, didn't, didn't understand it until recent years, really, how, how Jesus, everything he did, really, was to advance a kingdom. And... I had little understanding, but I started to read and gain understanding. And Holy Spirit started to minister to me about this fact, that the church is a servant of the kingdom. And when you move a group of people from church mentality to kingdom mentality, it's incredible what happens. It's incredible what happens. I know it because I've, got, I've undergone that change and certainly many of the nucleus of Kingdom Life Church have undergone that change. Absolutely not fully. You know, we're on the journey, but it makes a huge difference in your expectation of God and uh, your security in Him as well, so on and so forth. So it doesn't say that the world is under the control of the evil one except for the northeast of England. Be nice, wouldn't it? No, it doesn't say he controls the whole world except the northeast. If Satan is the father of lies, and he is, thus controlling things through deception rather than power, then a church with insight and power will overcome him. But only a church with insight and power will overcome him. In order to understand, I want to give us a, a brief history of the church and its capabilities, if you stay with me, please. So judgment on this world began at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. It is continuing until Jesus' return. So we believers are instructed with the following. Jesus speaks to the world and he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world becomes an enemy of God. That's strong, isn't it? That's what he says. And the more you see what the world system does to people, I've mentioned it, I've shown pictures of the worst of it because I've been... In, play, in a place after genocide. I know what it's like to be amongst many dead bodies. And I know what it is to see how they died. Believe you me, maybe others here who have experienced the same, but changes you, changes your, your concept of life. So, when Jesus is speaking about this world, he means a world system 
It means a world order that is anti-God and that and it's anti against everything our Lord stands for. It's not a friend of Jesus in any way, shape, or form. Scripture says we are in the world, but not of it. The kingdom of God made made up of born-again people is meant to be different. God has equipped us to be free of fear and empowered to overcome anything this world affects us with. We're strong. We have the king inside of us. Praise the Lord. But we have to know it. We have to know what we're up against. How many in this room have heard this term? You will own nothing, but you'll be happy. (laughs) Anybody who knows where it came from? A man, a German called Klaus Schwab. You ought to get to know him, not as a friend. You know, he's a deceived man. I'm not even saying he's a bad man, but he's a deceived man. But he's very powerful. Because he he heads up the World Economic Forum. And they saw COVID blatantly. There's no hiding. There's no hiding their intentions. They're so convinced it's going to happen. They don't hide it at all. And they saw COVID as the beginning of the Great Reset that the great reset was coming, that, uh, that mankind was going to change in the sense of, of who controls the world, how it is, you know, and, and leveling up is a term where the poorest will have the same as, as those, etc., etc. It goes on like that. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a big and deep study, I don't understand. But... It has no room for Jesus. In their thinking, there's no room for us. It sounds good to a secular ear, some of it. I mean, it's been resisted massively, not just by the church. But it sounds good, a lot of it sounds good. But we have to know this. The new world order has no room for Jesus. It gets better, guys. You see, there was a day back in history and it was called the day of Pentecost. And God, I was reading this morning actually, I've yet to grasp it fully, but I'll just share a little bit. God couldn't do that till it'd gone inside of people. Or it, 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 what, came, what came wasn't little plate-like fire, you know how it's depicted, like a little halo of fire. It was the fullness of God's mighty power. His fire came on them in that upper room. And they couldn't have contained it till they were born again. It would have probably disintegrated them or whatever. But it did happen. Praise God it happened. And it empowered his church with a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which was a baptism of fire. Hence the fire. God came in fire spiritual power and a few years later the apostle Paul wrote about the gifts that came with the baptism of the Holy Spirit out of the baptism the early church began to operate in the following gifts let me read to us there are different kinds this is 1 Corinthians 12 by the way from verse 1 there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit, to another, faith. By the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing. By that one Spirit to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. And to still another, so on and so forth. That's the end of them actually, but I was reading it twice. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. 
And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, I believe that was God's intention for the church throughout the ages. But we're going to see what happened and how God has had to restore certain things. You see, you look at that list, meditate on that list. If we, the local church, can begin to walk in those things, we're going to advance the kingdom, folk. We're going to advance the kingdom. Because, because we, we deal with what the enemy has done. You know, and, and what he's doing. And it's a daily basis, isn't it? But that's what's happening. So, the early church fathers write about the gifts remained until around the 3rd and 4th centuries. And then seeming to peter out apart from exceptions. I want to theorize the reason why I think this happened. The early church was seen as enemies of the Roman Empire, as we know. Terrible things happened to the early Christians. They were enemies. So was Jesus. And they were duly persecuted until um, AD 312. Something changed as the then Roman Emperor Constantine was converted to Christianity. It's called the Pax Romana, This what happened here. He subsequently made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. And eventually Rome became its seat of power through the church becoming institutionalized and the Catholic Church from the Vatican Vatican began uh, the overseeing of the worldwide rise of the Catholic Church. That's what happened. It was institutionalized. Now they were no longer under threat in the way they had been before. The Catholic Church began to emerge. And many people uh, have forgotten this, I guess, because if you you read about it, it's, it's pretty obvious. But this was the only church denomination on earth until Henry VIII. The Catholic Church was the only church. When people talk about, well, look what Christians did, you know, in the, in, in the 12th century. Slaughtering people. My answer to that is, yeah. But don't place that guilt on me. There was only one church on earth, and that was the Catholic Church. Not saying all Catholics in that era were bad people at all. But if you were a Christian, you were a Catholic. But God was going to do something about it. Praise the Lord. So, despite how Protestantism was introduced through King Henry, it is difficult to estimate the ungodly power and control of the Catholic institution. Not all people in it, of course. I want to, I want to be clear on that to this day. But I'm talking institution. I'm stressing that clearly. That God was about to do something and he was going to do it through an ungodly man. Our king, Henry VIII. I don't think he started in that fashion, but I think he ended up in a terrible place, actually. But through him, a new church came to our earth. Very briefly, since then, it's my belief that God has used different denominations to reintroduce and restore things that had been lost that were around till the 4th century, 5th century. The last of these tributaries that have come so far, and that's the point of my message today, so far, 2024, all that we've had since, into God's great river is the charismatic restoration of the gifts of the Spirit, which began around the 60s. At that point, a Pentecostal would not have classified themselves as a charismatic, but I certainly do today. So, a few examples of what I'm saying. 
He used the Baptist to restore baptism by full immersion. All denomination. He raised up the Methodists through the Wesleys to restore accountability in small holiness groups. He raised up the Pentecostals to restore the gift of tongues and the belief in ministering miracles. And the charismatic movement to restore the use of the gifts of the Spirit. That's, you know, a basic um, thing that I'm pointing out to you there. In 1907, a pastor named William Seymour led a revival in a church on Azusa Street, Los Angeles. That revival, in a large part, began the restoration of glossolia. Coming through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. It hadn't been around for many, many years. But they stood the ground at Azusa Street, and they began to speak in tongues. In that same year, 1907, Reverend Alexander Bordy, who was the minister at what is now the, one of the Elim churches in Sunderland, experienced the same experience. And he began to travel widely, preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the restoration of tongues. He went to Wales where he had a great influence on two brothers named George and Stephen Jeffries. The two brothers would in 1915 start the Elim Pentecostal Church in Monaghan in Ireland, the first ever church. They were evangelists, but so many were getting saved, they began a church which has grown into the Elim movement, which we are a part of to this day. This was then followed by the charismatic movement, as I've said, with an emphasis that the baptism in the Holy Spirit should lead us into the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask a different question. Not what is our government doing, but what is God doing in this season? What's God doing? When the disciples asked Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom? They obviously had in mind the kingdom in Israel. Just pause, I just feel like speaking in tongues. If you're not used to this, you can join me if you want. Holy Spirit, Oh Jesus, we worship you. We lift you high, Lord. Teach us your ways. Teach us your ways. Spirit of the living God, what are you saying to your church, Lord? Generally speaking, but we want to be in on what you're saying. Masora khandara khetra mandara kishom bakhatra me kura basiendo kura ki. Oh, Jesus. Talking about you, but I absolutely speak in tongues every day of my life. Let, let me tell you one reason. If I can, quickly this. This is for another time, but I want to, I want to share it with you. That tongues, praying in tongues reveals mysteries. And I say this because if you've let it go latent in your life, revive it. Revive it in your prayer life. Revive tongues. You know, for years we didn't have any prophecies in tongues in our church. Not because it's, it's what I inherited. I mean, Kingdom Life, when I speak of that. Just it, when I was first, we had lots, did you? Yeah. You know, prophecies in tongues. And one guy joined us. He moved up from uh, Manchester. And he asked me, he said, he actually came out when he was still visiting us. I'd know, I knew him a bit, but he came to the front and he said, I believe I've got a prophecy in tongues, can I give it? And at first I was like, ooh, I'm not sure because I don't really know you. But I, I said, Lord, what shall I do? And I felt the Lord say, let him do it. And he reintroduced it. It's not, it's not massive, but occasionally we now have a prophecy in tongues that's been restored to us because it's biblical. But it was lost, wasn't it? Somehow it was lost. And you go, 
You've got to police these things so, so well, guys. When you get into gifts of the Spirit, prophecies, they've got to be governed. Or else it can do more damage than good, I have to say, in my experience. But hey, that doesn't mean we shut the door and say, no, thank you. We want all that God wants. Amen. Amen to that. So they, they were thinking, when Jesus was going to restore the kingdom, that it was going to be like when King David was here, and Israel had a king like that. And, you know, the two boys were going to sit at his right hand, weren't they? John and James. But the kingdom of God is much wider than that. So maybe the next great tributary, and I, I'm not saying this is a given, I'm saying maybe the next great tributary that's going to be added as the Isaac, according to R.T. Kendall, is an understanding of the kingdom. That broadly speaking, we believers, the church, are meant to be, listen to me now, a counterculture and an alternative society to this world. I think without alarming, I think we're going to have to be. That's the way I think the world system's going, that we, we are going to have to be an alternative society to say to people, we don't live like that. This is how we live. We're a counterculture to what's happening in the world. We are different. We don't just go to church. We are different. We live by the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a bit biased because I want it to be like that. I don't want persecution. You know, I'm not looking for it. But I'm aware of what's happening. And I say, hallelujah, I'm in the kingdom of God. And this kingdom cannot be shaken. Church can be shaken. It's been shaken, isn't it? In parts. I've, you know, the world is invading the church. Can you say with me, not on our watch? No, not on our watch. Hallelujah. We're not having it, are we? The nonsense that, that's, that we're being challenged with to accept. So this alternative society means godly, holy living, People, <laughs> whilst fully embracing the fullness of God's charismata, the grace gifts of the Holy Spirit. So God is not saying, I've done with the charismata. He's saying, I want, I want to use it more, but I want more character in my church. I want more character in my church. I am no longer going to put up with people who rise to the top with big names who are having affairs behind the scenes. Come on now. I'm not judging anything here. I'm, I'm speaking with a heart for God here. Yeah. I'd befriend anybody and try to help anybody be restored. Believe you me. My heart is for broken people, even broken people who've led churches and led all ministries. But God cannot put up with it. And he won't put up with it. But I think he's going to use it to push us through and realize we who lead churches and those way above me Without character, the gifts, you know, you've been gifted and they were given without repentance, but you need character. And that character has to match the charismata, amen? Amen, amen to that. You see, the old world is under the control of the evil one. Does it say the old world except? I've asked you this already. No, it doesn't. So what is he doing in our area, in our midst? What's he doing? If it's under his control, what is he doing? How do we break it? How do we set people free? How do we advance this kingdom? Let's believe that we're going to need two services here, amen? <laughs> Does that frighten you? I've already told you, you don't have to come. What about... We need two services because it's new people who come to the other one. Does that sound better? <laughs> I know, don't worry. 
Every time I put something extra in my life, I think, are you sure? Me and Deb say, are we sure about this? But God overrules. As long as you're willing to have what he wants, he overrules your feelings and your emotions. And he says, yes. God needs people who will spend themselves for him. He does. And that's not in contradiction to what Becky brought. I fully agree what she said. You see, the, the rest of God, resting in God gets the best out of you. It's not, it's not saying be spiritually lazy. It's saying, you know, rest in me. And I, I want, I've, I've said this in the men's conference, I want to go so high in him that I'm at total rest. I don't care what people think, you know, in the right sense. I do care, you know, and if, it's, if, if there's foundation in what people think, then I want to hear it and I want to accept it. But I, I, don't want, I don't want to live my life where if I do that, they won't like it. Or if I do that, I won't be pleasing them. God deliver us. It's what he thinks that counts. Praise the Lord. So don't be surprised to learn that authorities in our world, I used to think that if they wore a pinstripe suit, they were better than me. Because I was working class. Whoa, if you wear a pinstripe suit, you're somebody. But I've learned this. Even posh, educated people are prepared to lie. I think we had a few lies. Many from the posh end of the spectrum during COVID, don't you? One or two lies came through there without, you know, saying too much about that. So, so many of the people in power are unwitting participants in a world order whose master is Satan himself. I know that many of you know that there are those who are planning for this great reset. They're in on it. Their aim is to fill our political cabinets of the West with their people. Did you know that? You, you go and research how many of modern day politicians went through the world economic forums, courses, you'd be utterly amazed. There's at least five world leaders who went through it as well. What were they learning? Not that Jesus is Lord. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the legitimate nice things. Understand that, don't you? But hey, don't, don't befriend this world system. It hates. It hates your saviour. So let's bring the timeless word of God into our hearts right now. And I'm going to read Psalm 91 and I'm going to release it into our hearts. As we stand in our world and a couple more scriptures, I'll be rounding up with, with these scriptures, not quite finishing, but they're nearly there. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night. Get free of fear, guys. Somebody's looking after you. Nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You're in a kingdom. Live in the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge... And you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. 
For he will command his angels concerning you. Can you picture that? You're going into a, a situation that's real trouble and God says, get down there. Get down there and help Colleen. Get down there. Not picking on you, you know that. You just sat in me, I, I think. Get down there and help John Bullock. He's got a problem, a real problem. Get down there. He'll command his angels concerning you. We're not on our own. <laughs> they will guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me. Because she loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will, re I will protect them. For they acknowledge my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I was speaking to a man who exemplifies that just before the meeting. He sat there. He's called Ken. You know him. He told me he's 89. Am I right? 89. You, in two months, you're coming up to 89. He's been satisfied with long life. Long may it continue. And long may God continue to show him his show you his salvation, Ken. Let me spread that around the room, guys. With long life, will he satisfy you? I'm getting to a stage where I'll say amen to that one. <laughs> My gray hair is not lying. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. It's good news, isn't it? But the problem we've had is, despite the wonders of the charismata, etc., so many believers don't live their everyday life as a kingdom citizen. It's going to change. And we're going to see things we've never seen because of it. You see, to gain the kingdom benefits that I've just read about, you have to live as a kingdom citizen. And, you know... Again, it's percentage change, guys. It's not saying you walk out of here today and everything's sorted in your life. We, we, that's not any of our experiences, is it? But it's a heart that's willing to grow that God's looking for. And you'll grow if you're willing to grow. And you'll become tomorrow more than you've been up to this point. And you will do for him more than you've done up to this point. That's why I'm not retiring. I'm just beginning. I've been in school for a long time. <laughs> Why? Best is yet to come. So if our world gets too bad, we can always look into and focus more on the content of Revelation 19 and Revelation 21. But 19 from 11 says, this is what's coming. This is our future. This is what God's planned. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. I love this. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On his robe and on his thigh, he's coming for us. If we haven't already gone, he's coming. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's our saviour. That's our Savior. He took flesh upon himself. He was glorified before that. He's glorified since that. He 
took it upon himself. He became, the word became. Let me add to that final scripture. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. <laughs> and he'll be their God. Here we go. We've all had troubles saying, haven't we? But he says this for our future. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. I just love to meditate on that. That I'm going to be consciously knowing that I'm never going to die. That I'm in paradise. It's beyond wonderful and it's forever. It's the gospel, guys. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. God's call is, how much of your life will you give to get others who are not in that place yet into that place? That's the ultimate. We are in the kingdom of God now with all of its benefits. If we choose to live righteously, there, there's the deal. Benefits come. Some come through grace alone, but most come through righteous living. We are in the kingdom now and we will be in the kingdom then. May what needs to change in our lives change now as we embrace our citizenship in the kingdom of God. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied the following. When the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations, indeed the world, have ever seen. I, I desperately want to believe that. From my townie, as we say, my Bradfordian friend. I believe what R.T. Kendall is speaking about, perhaps his, his last voice, you know, into, into the world church scene. I believe he's speaking about that. I believe that God is saying, right, you've got the gifts now. They're not operating as, as I want them to, but you've got them. And as you uh, abide in my word and as you allow the word of God to transform you internally, these gifts are going to rise and rise and rise. So I believe God wants his church, us included, to go on a very exciting journey. Hallelujah. Advance your kingdom amongst us, Lord. Advance your kingdom. Advance your kingdom. In order to gain the benefits, as I've said, you have to live righteously. You can't possibly live righteously if you're not a Christian. That is a born-again Christian in which the, the Spirit of God dwells to give you the Power to live a righteous life. Without him, we're not going to live a righteous life. If you're not in that place, I want to invite you to come to that place this morning. I don't know everybody in this room, but I want to say to you, come to Jesus today. You'll live forever if you do. You will live forever in paradise. He's not checking on what you've done with your life and saying you, you, you don't fit or you don't qualify. He's beckoning you beckoning you to take the gift of God salvation through Jesus Christ if you're in that place today and you've never made that decision I want you to raise your hand for me say after me anybody else as well in that situation not sure Lord Jesus I believe that I've sinned and gone my own way I thank you for dying for me at Calvary. Thank you for cleansing me 
Will you come into my life as my Savior and my Lord? I receive this by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Salvation. You see, it, it's so massive, salvation, that that's why we evangelical Christians have the saying that for one, God throws a party in heaven. It's so huge. One life is so huge to him that he went through what he went through for each of us as individuals. And it wasn't the physical stuff. Jesus was a hard man, I think. He was a builder, wasn't he? You know, what he, what he did. Have you, anybody here been through the Judean hills? Absolutely incredible. When you realize he walked from Capernaum down and he walked through the Judean hills, maybe he got on a donkey a little bit, I don't know. When I saw them, I thought, these, these things are not hills, they're mountains. And he walked all that way to get to the cross. This was no weak man. The full pain came as he took our sins. What we've done wrong on him. What a saviour. Father, we want to advance the kingdom of God wherever we are, Lord. We happen to be here this morning, Whitley Bay. We want your kingdom to advance throughout our nation. We really do, Lord. Lord, we know some of church life is not good enough. We're not pointing any fingers. We've all had our part to play in it. But we do know this. You're revealing truth. And that truth ends up with a call to be part of the kingdom of God. And this alternative society and this society in this counterculture. So we say, help us, mighty God, to live as kingdom citizens, to encourage one another, to be one at heart as we take forward the Acorn Church. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Lord, we pray for what's coming after us. Well, thank you. I know you're clapping him, not me, by the way. Thank you for what's coming after, the lunch that's on, for those who've prepared it, those who'll be giving time and effort into it, and pray that people who are expected to come and beyond will come, Lord to enjoy an, a nice lunch here in the church, in Jesus' name. And we pray tomorrow, Lord, as we gather for prayer, that, that we would advance your kingdom together, Lord, and we see the results of us coming together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ron, can we sing to, to finish? Is that all right? And the guys, please. I know we're coming to an end, guys, and you know you're free to go, uh, you know... Uh, Children may need to come back in, but we will sing and just go out. We worship to our great God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's do that. Thank you, bro.